All right, once again, good morning. My name's Alan. And uh, yeah, sorry about the uh, tie, uh, gentlemen. I'm more uncomfortable with it than you are. Uh, but I do what I'm told. It's Mother's Day, right? We do what we're told. So uh, see, am I, am I hot? Am I good? Am I on? Okay, hot. I just mean like, I don't mean like, I just, that's the mic working. It's, okay. Uh, good morning. Uh, happy Mother's Day to you again. Welcome, super welcome to any family guests, grandpas, grandmas, aunts and uncles who, who chose to come and see this amazingly fabulous display of, uh, of kids. And uh, I don't care who you are, that is cute when kids are doing this at different times and the whole thing. I don't care who you are, that is fun. That is good. So I do want to give a uh, special thanks. Uh, I'm sure they're not in the room because they're taking care of the kids, but Bob and Sandy Hopkins are the ones. They were, they were the ones uh, standing right up here, and they're the ones a couple months ago who said, yeah, I'll lead a, a choir of 140 kids. What could possibly be a problem with a situation like that? So they were courageous enough to go for it. And I also uh, want to uh, say thanks to uh, a, a woman who has really helped this uh, Mother's Day weekend out so much. We did a parents' night out last night, and a whole team of volunteers, but it was all led by Marsha's wife, Lori Hall, who's done a tremendous amount of work. So we just want to celebrate, folks, and today, for the most part, we are celebrating you, Mom. So I'm going to make you do it. I'm going to make you do it. Will you stand up, please, Moms? Moms, stand up. Stand up, Moms. Woo! Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing, please. Stay standing. Now, I'm not going to make you find out who's the oldest, who's the most recent mom. We're not going to do that. Stay standing, though, because I want to do this Awatuki style. Because what's Awatuki without a competition? I want to find out who are the best moms. So we're going to do the first annual Best Moms of Mountain Park 2010, okay? And here's how this looks. I'm going to ask a few questions, and I'm going to make some of you sit down, and we're going to see who's remaining standing. Does that sound like fun? Yeah! Okay, moms, here we go. If you have ever pulled your kids out of school just for fun, or uh, then remain standing, the rest of you have a seat. If you've pulled your kids out of school just for fun, look at that, most of you are up. Awesome, and if you don't have kids of that age or homeschool, whatever you decide, a, a translation of whatever that question might be. If you've ever called your son or daughter by the name of your pet, sit down. You're done. You're done. Have a seat. Have a seat. I asked that because we got a new dog, and I've called my daughter Daisy so many times I can't even. If you do not know where the mouse is on all the colored pages of Goodnight Moon, have a seat. If you do not know where the mouse is, we lost a lot of you there. I'm sorry. Okay, That's, I was hoping we'd have more at this point. I got a whole lot going. Okay, uh, if you've ever uh, played with your kids' toys after they've gone to bed, remain standing. <laughs> remain, be honest, be honest, remain standing here. Okay, down to a few, awesome. Um, 
If you have known a few super moms in your day, okay, these are moms who uh, have, uh, they're all made up, they all look perfect on the playground when you're just supposed to be playing with their kids. Their uh, Christmas cookies look like works of art and their house always looks beautiful. If you've known some super moms and you don't hate them, remain standing. That's awesome. Okay. 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 I think, we have, I think we have just a couple left. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, these are your best moms of Mountain Park. Woo! Put your hands up if you are still standing. Beth is going to give you a special prize there. Uh, it is a bag of chiclets. Uh, and uh, the deal with the chiclets, if you haven't been here, is we've decided that chiclets equal minutes. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about the fact that there are 1,440 chiclets in a day, and we get to s- decide what we do with those chiclets. So super, not super moms, best, wonderful, great moms, we want to give you a, a few minutes of uh, appreciation here this morning. and hope you have a fabulous, all moms, hope you have a fabulous, fabulous day today. Hey, would you, would you pray with me as we uh, launch into a few moments here together? God, we do remember and celebrate our, our moms here today. This is a, uh, it's a celebration. We know that, uh, I just believe that you are smiling. You're smiling as we honor one another. You've called us to do that as husbands and wives. And you've called us to honor our parents. And so uh, we want to do that today. And God, I do recognize that today is a, is a complicated day. It's a tricky day. Many just get to celebrate. However, I know there are many in this room. Who, um, for whom this is a difficult day. Some maybe wouldn't even go to church on this particular day. Maybe there's been the loss of, of a mom recently, or maybe there's a, de- a desire to be a mom. And there's a lot going on in our hearts here today, but we know that you are here, God. And so we want to celebrate you. We worship you, we lean on you, and we are thankful here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, uh, I do want to talk a little bit about moms. I've, I've never done a Mother's Day message, so this, this is my first, maybe my last, we'll see. We'll see, but I do want to ask, uh, moms, do you ever feel like the words that come out of your mouth as a mom, they go into midair and they just vanish? They, they come out and then they just, uh, uh, applause, wow. Uh, they come out and they just, it's, it's like these loving words of wisdom that come out of you, they're, they're not fully received by attentive children in every setting. You ever kind of feel that? You ever feel like you walk into a room and you say, could you please turn the television down? And you've said the, word clear, said the words clearly in English and there's no movement towards the remote control. There is no movement whatsoever. The eyes haven't even, haven't even shifted in any, in any way whatsoever. And you wonder, did they even... Did they even do they even notice that I'm here? And maybe the response to that is to say it louder. Would you turn the TV down, please? Still mo- no movement. They don't, maybe, maybe you're not seen in that setting. Maybe there's something more recently. Maybe there was, would you put your shoes on and get in the car, please? Will you do that? Maybe that was a more recent thing. It's Mother's Day. It's my day. You get in the car. And, 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 the, words, <laughs> and the words are not coming out with the clarity that you desire. Do you ever feel like you're not being noticed? You're not being heard. You're not being seen. Do you ever feel invisible, perhaps, as a mom, as a, as a woman? Do you ever feel like maybe you are uh, talking on the phone 
and a kid walks in and says, where's my toy or where's my book? And, and you're thinking, you, you know what this is? You, 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 you have one. You've been wanting one for three years. You, you, you know what this is? I'm using it. I'm on it here. You see what this is? And they can't, they can't see that you're on the phone. They can't, and so they just kind of keep on asking you. They can't see that you're working hard to prepare a meal or to clean up or to rest or whatever. They don't seem to see you. Do you ever feel like you're invisible? Now, what I'm not doing here this morning, I, I don't mean to be insulting you moms. I, I mean, my intent is not to do that at all. My intent is actually to let you know if you ever feel that way, that you're in good company, actually. Because there is an amazing, awesome one who is often referred to as invisible. And numerous times in Scripture, God is referred to as invisible. So if you ever feel that way, you're in good company. I had a, a mom last Sunday after the first celebration. She came, she came up and it was an unrelated question to what we were talking about. But she just said, Alan, I've got a, I've got a theological question. She said her two-year-old daughter wants to know why she can't see God. And so she, she didn't have any answer for her daughter. And I said, I said, wow, that is a that's a profound question. Two-year-old asking, why can't I see this God that we keep on talking about? And I, I usually repeat the question when I have no clue how to answer. That's, <laughs> just in case you ever, that my, my a clue of being completely stumped is when I just repeat it and go, wow, that is, that is a profound think, think, think question. The only thing I could come up with that, in that uh, brief conversation is remembering what uh, Jesus said in describing the Holy Spirit. And uh, in John chapter 3, I want to take a look at a, at a verse here just real quickly. And uh, John chapter 3 is where we find 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only, one and only Son. And this is also where Jesus had a conversation with a man named Nicodemus. And in that conversation in verse 8, Jesus describes the Holy Spirit. He says, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. In fact, Holy Spirit in the New Testament is the same word as the word breath. It's the same word as the word wind. And so the Holy Spirit is not something that we see, but it is something about which we see the effects. So just like the wind, you can't actually see the molecules moving when the wind blows, but you can see the trees waving. We can't see the Holy Spirit. We can see the effects of the Holy Spirit. We can see how the Holy Spirit has an impact on our lives, on the lives of those around us. And you see, God is a spirit. God is not a man. God is not a woman. God is a spirit. In the next chapter, chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus says, chapter 4, verse 24, still in John, Jesus says, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth we we can we don't see god but we the, we see the effects of god god is not a, a human being god is not in human form god is a spirit now in scripture we sometimes see anthropomorphic language for god and that that just means that there's we we 
ascribe human attributes to God. And so we talk about God's eyes or God's ears or God's hands or God's feet. And those are just metaphors for us to understand and and connect with God. And that's great. That's absolutely great. But God is not in human form. God is a spirit. We do not see God. We see the effects of God. And Paul in Romans chapter 1 Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 20. You can, uh, if you can keep up with me, great. If you want to check this out later. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Paul says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. God is invisible, but what He has made, what flows from Him, is clearly seen. So, Moms, on those days, those experiences, those years perhaps, where you feel like you are not being noticed, that you are invisible, may you understand that the outflow of your efforts and your love, they are clearly seen. They are clearly seen. Now, God being invisible, He can handle that. He's okay with that. He's God. He designed things to be a certain way. We, however, sometimes struggle with our invisibility. And I would say that this may be an increased issue, difficulty for women in our culture. And here's, here's how I want to uh, go at this. Is there's a guy named uh, uh, John Eldridge who talks about the fact that uh, boys and girls are different. Men and women are different. And I know this is kind of a, a blanket thing, and forgive me for the fact that they're, they're, there's crossover all the time, absolutely. But when, men and women are different. And uh, Eldridge makes the point that boys, their driving question is, do I have what it takes? Do I ha- am, am, can, I, can I do it? Am I strong enough? Do I have what it takes? And, he, he makes, and Eldridge makes the points that, that for girls often, the driving question is, do you notice me? Do you see me? I, I see this difference. I have both boys and a girl. And I see somewhat of this difference. I mean, I mean my boys can come running down the stairs in the morning. They can have uh, dried snot on their face. Uh, they have their shirt inside out. They have the same underwear on that they've had for a couple days. And uh, their hair looks like a flock of seagulls. And they come out, and they're ready to go. They are ready to go for the day. They haven't looked in the mirror. They're not even really caring about what mirror might be around. They are not saying, do you see me? Do you see me? They might be saying, do you smell me? But they're not saying, do you see me? But my daughter, she comes down after having chosen a dress. She comes down, and she does the dress twirl. She comes down and she does this thing with the dress. Where do girls learn that? We did not teach her the dress twirl. There is no, no one. And we said, here's what you do. And you come down the stairs and you do that. I believe she comes down and she says, Mom, do you notice me? Do you see me? I don't think it's unreasonable to believe that this feeling of invisibility at times is exacerbated by the fact that in our culture, that the way God has designed us, moms, we want to be noticed. We want to be seen. We want to be celebrated. Now, I know when I asked you to stand, I know there are a few of you here in this room, you hated every second of that. 
Just, will you stand and you're going, oh, no, don't. Do I, I, I was hoping you weren't. Oh, this is terrible. I'm going to sit. Whatever he says first, I'm going to sit down. Whatever the thing is. I know, and there's a beautiful humility to that, and, and, and I totally appreciate that. But there's also a little part of you, maybe a lot of some of you, that when I said stand up, you're going, that's right, I'm going to stand up. And you are going to clap everybody else. The whole kind of, you're saying, this is my day. I get one day out of the calendar year. This is it. It's my day. Those are my portraits. Those are my pastries. My day. You are going to notice me today. And that's great. That's great. That's why, that's why we're doing this. That's why we're so excited about celebrating moms. It's great. Perhaps. There is, there is this deep-rooted desire in the midst of, of being invisible at times. There's this deep-rooted des- desire to be noticed, to be celebrated. And I think that's, I think that's very natural. There's a, uh, actually a book called The Invisible Woman by a woman named Nicole Johnson. And she tells a story. I want to read just a paragraph of it. She says, One night, a group of us were having dinner celebrating the return of a friend from England. Janice got back from a fabulous trip and she was going on and on about the hotel she stayed in. I was sitting there looking around at the others all put together so well. It was hard not to compare and feel sorry for myself as I looked down on my out-of-style dress. It was the only thing I could find that was clean. My unwashed hair was pulled up in a clip and I was afraid I could actually smell peanut butter in it. I was feeling pretty pathetic when Janice turned to me with a beautifully wrapped package and said, I brought you this. It was a book on the greatest cathedrals of Europe. And uh, she goes on to tell the significance of this book and why Janice chose this book and etc. That, that this book uh, describes these beautiful ancient cathedrals in Europe. And it offers three truths, three consistent truths about these cathedrals. The one truth is that for most of these cathedrals, it is unknown who the builders were or who the main builder was. That they would describe the cathedrals in great detail and when it was built and, and all this. And then it would say, builder, colon, unknown. That so often these ancient, beautiful structures had meticulous work, hours and hours of amazing, meticulous work poured into them and no credit was given to the builders. The second truth that this book offers with regard to these beautiful cathedrals in Europe is that many of those who were building these cathedrals did not see them get completed. That some of these cathedrals took over a hundred years to build. A hundred years. Multiple generations. The author makes the observation that these cathedrals would not be built in our culture. They would not be built anymore by, by us Because how many of us are going to participate in something where we don't get to have our name on it and we don't even get to see it finished? Yet this was what they had done when they built these cathedrals. And a third observation that the writer of this book, uh, the book is called Churches, by the way. The third observation that the writer makes is that the passion that fueled these builders was the strong belief that God sees what they're doing. That they were building something for God and that God knew what they were doing even if their name wasn't attached to it, even if they didn't get to see it come to completion. There's a legendary story that's connected to one of the, 
one of these cathedrals that was built of a, of a, of a worker who was intric- intricately carving a little bird on a beam, on a beam high up in the uh, rafters of, this, of one of the cathedrals. And a rich person who was an investor for that particular cathedral walked in and noticed what this worker was doing and made the observation that soon there was a roof that was going to go right over top of that beam. No one would ever see this bird that he was working so hard to create. He said, why are you doing that? Why are you spending all this time working on a bird that no one is going to see? And the legendary story is that this, this builder, this worker said, because God sees. And then the outflow of that is that I may invest in something that others may not see, but it's fueled by the fact that I believe my Lord, my Father in Heaven, sees the efforts that are invisible to other eyes. I know that there are so many things that you do as moms, that you do as parents, that go unnoticed by those that you love. That extra energy that it takes to say something in a nice way the second time instead of going to the yell. Or the sacrifices that are made to not have a certain something for you, not have your preferences, not have, maybe it has to do with your career or whatever. These amazing sacrifices that you make as mom. So that your kids can have a great prom or a great birthday party or a, or a great life. Maybe they don't go labeled or claimed or attached with your name on it, but, but God sees those things. And my hope uh, for you this morning, as an encouragement to you moms, is that you would hear the voice of your Father in Heaven saying to you, I see you, Mom. I see the efforts that you're putting forward. I know you're not perfect. I didn't ask you to be perfect. But I see you. I see the sacrifices you're making. I see your heart. I see your intentions. And I know that you're building a cathedral in those kids. That you won't be here when they are finished. You won't be here to see it. And there's a lot of things that you do that you are not getting credit for. But I see you. May your Father say that to you today. May you hear that. From the one who knows everything. He knows that little bird that you've carved up on the top of that rafter. I want to uh, just wrap up by looking at one more verse. It's in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. And here in this verse, basically it is saying that Jesus is the reflection of God. That our kids are a reflection of us as parents. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus, He, 1, 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And uh, at other times, Jesus says, if you want to see God, look at me. Look, I, I am the image of the God that you've known for, for, for so long. Our kids are the image of us as parents. That's why for some of you uh, during the choir, when, when you looked up and it was your kid who had his finger in his nose, and you were thinking, he's the image of his father right there. <laughs> or whatever the scene was. And, and our kids are the image. And sometimes that works out really well for us. Sometimes that is a beautiful thing that puts a smile on our faces as, as, we, as we go to bed. 
I love the story that Bill Cosby tells. He talks about how it works out really good for moms sometimes. That, that there's a boy who grows up and his father's teaching him how to throw a football. And the father for hours and hours and hours, daily, weekly, is throwing and catching and working on plays with, with the young kid and then goes and takes him to practices and, and coaches his kid in, in young football leagues. And then as, he get, as the, the young boy gets older, that the dad is there as the assistant coach and he's continuing to pour into this kid's development as a football player. And then this young uh, kid gets um, a scholarship to go to a college and be a football player there and then eventually gets drafted into the NFL and then gets into the NFL and uses some of the techniques that dad taught him many, many years ago and then that kid actually goes to the Super Bowl and wins the Super Bowl and the cameras are on there, millions of people around the world and then that kid looks in the camera and says, Hi mom! Sometimes it works out really well for you moms. Again, credit to Bill Cosby on that. Sometimes it works out really well, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes this, this reality of, of our kids being, being a reflection of us, sometimes that, that's a painful reality because, and I, I know, I, mean, I just have little ones, but I know these moments of, of struggling. My, my wife and I, we, we swing from thinking we're doing great to we've screwed them up already. We do. We totally do on that. That wasn't in my notes, but I just thought I'd share that with you. And there, there are times where, where and, and, I've, and I've met and struggled with you and prayed with many of you with how, how difficult and, and how deep of a struggle it can be as we love our kids through that. But may you remember that you are building a cathedral. And some of these cathedrals took a lifetime, 70, 80, 90 100 years to build. And if you think about a cathedral that takes 100 years to build, you can imagine that over 100 years there are periods where the building of that cathedral slowed down or maybe even stopped for a while. Maybe there was a whole room that collapsed because there was some miscommunication or, or the money fell through for a while. You could just imagine what would happen over a 70, 80, 90, 100 year period for the building of one of these magnificent cathedrals. So then translate that into, as a metaphor in terms of what it means to raise our kids that, it, that when there are periods of, of difficulty that we think long term with this. You're building a cathedral. Your job as mom is not to finish the project by the end of 2010. This is a project that will go on beyond your lifetime. So once again, in those moments where you feel that you're being unnoticed, that you are invisible, may you remember that your God sees. And those moments where you are broken, hurting, struggling with where that relationship is or where your child is in, in life, that you won't see the full development of your child in your lifetime. You won't see that whole story. But God will. God will be faithful through that whole journey in the midst of our great decisions and in the midst of our not-so-great decisions as parents.
my hope is that there is an encouragement, as there is an encouraging word for you moms here this morning. Because if God knows that, and if God's watching, isn't that really all that matters? Isn't that really all that matters? And, and, and that our desire to be seen, may that be, may that be usurped by the reality that our desire is that our kids are doing okay, is that our kids are watched out for, is that God sees them and is watching over them. So my prayer and my hope is that you would hear your Father in heaven say to you this morning, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, Mom. Well done. Can I pray for you as we close? Heavenly Father, you've, you've given us this language uh, that you are our Father. You're not a man. You're, you're, not a, you're not a woman. You are a spirit. But you've given us this language that you are a parent for us. And so, Father, as, as we come to you here today, I pray that you would speak these beautiful words over these beautiful moms who have gathered here in this room. That you would speak words of encouragement in the midst of their good decisions and the imperfections in their journeys. God, that you would remind them that they are not going unnoticed. That us, us husbands, we don't do it right. We, 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 this is a hard day for us to succeed. But you notice them, God. Would you be the one to cheer for them? Would you be the voice that they so need to hear? Well done. Well done. And in the midst of, of maybe broken marriages or struggling marriages and broken relationships with kids and struggling relationships with kids, God, would we always make our relationship with you top priority? Top priority. That the moms here, regardless of what's happening, that if, if we would connect with you primarily, God, uh, as an outflow of that, you would bring glory and honor to yourself through our, the relationships that we care so much about. We love you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.